Welcome back, guys. I'm glad we're finally getting back together. It's been a while. We had uh, you know resurgence of COVID, and then snowpocalypse happened here in San Antonio. Yeah. Shut the city down for a week. We are not built for snow, that's no, for sure. None of us are. So I'm glad we've been able to finally get together. We've got a special guest with us here today. Craig, I'm going to let you introduce him. I got a brother from another mother, Harry. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> Game on. <laughs> Former special operator, Greg Miller, physician assistant, combat medic, 19th group, Purple Heart recipient. <laughs> right? Well, I don't know about all that, but yeah, most of that's true. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. So we want to get to know you a little bit and also talk about your company, REUP. REUP, the REUP Men's Clinic. Yeah, we're happy to be here. A veteran-owned company serving veterans and other people. <laughs> we'll let them in too. But yeah, it's a veteran-owned company. We just opened up here in San Antonio. Happy to be here, the REUP Men's Clinic. What do you do? Take care of men and women, but it's the men's clinic. It's our priority, and we take care of erectile dysfunction, low testosterone, but everybody does that, right? That's, there's nothing special about that. What we are is we're innovative and ethical, and we're taking medicine to the next step. We're one of the premier leaders in the country on using peptide management. So we use peptides to help your body fix itself. Instead of going to Big Pharma and making them more money, Big Pharma is necessary. Don't get me wrong. We wouldn't have these vaccines without Big Pharma, right? But a lot of times we don't need that. We can help ourselves. So that's what we kind of try to specialize in is innovative. Take us back before that. Where'd you meet Craig? I met Craig. We were working together in the ICU in the cardiothoracic unit at the University Hospital. Okay, nice. Was that here in San Antonio? Right here in San Antonio, yeah, Bear County Hospital. Outstanding, Good outstanding. Days. Good old days, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Craig was the master of the universe over there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> And then uh, you deployed to Afghanistan. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was where I took a bad spin, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Went over there with the 19th group. It was, we were the second wave in. We relieved, actually, the triple nickel up there in Kandahar. And so had a good time there until April when the lead caught up with me. <laughs> yeah. So when you went over there, were you a physician, a physician was, assistant when you I was in there? a dual slot. I was, I was the battalion PA, so I was that, of, of course, but they were also short officers, so I was an XO on a team as well. Okay. All right. So it's kind of a double role. Yeah. Okay. All right. How long were you stationed over there? I was there for a year, but I was, I was stationed for a year, but I was only there for four months before I got hit, so four months. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You want to walk us through what happened? Are you, are, I mean, we if, were just if, leading a presence patrol. That's you know, the thing you do is we're here to help you. We're not bad guys. Leading a presence patrol. And we were in the market. And it was just a good place for an ambush. So they saw who was in charge, and that was their target. Yikes. And I assume you were in charge. Yeah, I was in that patrol leader, yeah. But luckily, they're not a good aim. You know, they just hit me once, and then that problem was taken care of, and then moved on. The rest of the team did well for the rest of the deployment, except for about four days after me. There was a, an IED in my team. They hit an IED. We lost four guys. So that was a bad week for the team back there in April in 2018. So when you got back to the States, you continued on with military work and uh, I was, position I stayed on for a little bit, but just in the reserves in the 19th. And as soon as I could, I got my 21-year 20 year letter, and I said, I'm done, and retired at June of 2003. And then I started working, I did cardiothoracic surgery for a while, I did vascular surgery, 
And then I found men's health. And, and it sounds really weird. I mean, I was at the top of the game. I actually literally, I've did neurosurgery, cardiac surgery. I've done the top of the game. But I feel more satisfaction in helping men every day with a common problem. Is it easier to fix? Yeah, because people are more voted, motivated to get fixed. A lot of times when you, like if, where you guys work, they're there, they need to get fixed. Right. It's not necessarily they want to or they're going to participate in getting fixed. They need it. But guys who want to get better, that's who I enjoy helping. That's awesome, man. Did you get burnt out from trying to help some of these people? The, the, it's the, not entitled, but it's... They just think everything should be easy for them, and life isn't easy. Sometimes you have to do the hard things to get to where you need to go, and that's with your own health care, too. And when people forget that they have to have some accountability for their own state of being, yeah. that's difficult. It, I think nowadays, at least for me on my end, it's so hard to get people to participate in Absolutely. the programs that you need them to do to get where they want to be. Absolutely. A lot of times people just want, like, you know, the silver bullet and, you know, I'm fixed. And then when it doesn't happen and they're in their time frame, they're upset with you because they're not where they want to be. Right. Right. And, and that's a good thing about uh, the ability to help people. So we can't ha even help people that aren't too motivated to help themselves. So that's a good thing that all of us do. That's we're there to help everybody. But it's more of a pleasure when they want to take care of themselves yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, the job is always going to be there, and I'll never forsake the job and take care of people, but it's more rewarding when they want to be helped. Well, and I think what you said about people having to ha take some ownership in their own health care is super important. We, at least in our limited setting, don't see a lot of that. We, we see a lot of people who want the, Doc, can't you just give me a, a pill? Like, no. Right. Even if we can give you a pill, there's still more to be done, and so we really... COVID has definitely shown us that 20 years of bad decisions are not going to be overcome in 20 hours. Right. And yeah. it was, you know, the people who, overwhelmingly the people who got COVID who were otherwise unhealthy did not fare well. Um, and sure, some of that's genetic and outside of their control, but a lot of it is, you know, diet and exercise. And not that I'm necessarily an example, but we all know you've got to take some personal responsibility. You've got to show up. You've got to try. Absolutely. That's, you know, try. One, our, our motto, our slogan, whatever you call it, is it's you renewed at the Rio Men's Clinic. So it's you. We're not doing anything. We're just helping you renew yourself. And that's, it's, it's fascinating watching some of the changes that happen. It's just incredible. We have incredible stories. Uh, if you go to our website, actually, at reupmensclinic.com, we have a couple testimonials. I have two on there right now. One of them, she, was, she is now a professional bodybuilder and fitness model. And she was in the amateur world and doing well. But our treatment put her to the next level. Now she's got a pro card in both fitness and in bodybuilding. Wow. It's outstanding. And that's from just one of our products. Have another uh, gentleman. He's an Olympic uh, gold medalist in Taekwondo. And he was working out, he's, he's, he's in incredible shape. And he was working out and he popped his Achilles, his Achilles tendon, so he was out. And he couldn't do anything, he couldn't get in the gym. He was a trainer and he couldn't even get in to help his people. He came to me and after two sessions of a revived pulsatile therapy, which is what we use for extracorporeal shockwave therapy, 
After two sessions, he was back in the gym training. And after his protocol of six, he was good to go. And that's an amazing story. Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. So neurosurgery, cardiothoracic surgery, vascular surgery, how'd you find Nun's health? Well, believe it or not, it's very, very closely related to all three of those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, vascular surgery, if you don't have good blood flow, you're not going to have good target organ function. In this case, the target organ is the penis. If you don't have good blood flow in the penis, you're not going to have a good function. That's basically all the erection is, is blood flow. So that's the vascular component. ED, which most people are, either they don't know or they're not thinking about, ED is, not maybe, is a predictor of coronary artery disease. It's, it's a blood vessel and it's showing disease. It's a little bit smaller than the arteries of the penis, so it's not dangerous, but it's a sign. You, you are having other symptoms going on. Yeah, there's other causes of ED, but vascular component is by far 80 plus percent of the cause. And then neurological, there's three things we need for a good erection. We need vascular, we need neurogenic impulse, and we need the sexual stimulus, all three to combine. If we don't have all three together, we're not gonna get an erection, so they're all tied together. It's very important stuff, by the way, guys. We got to. It's fine. We, we joke about it, but I have gotten more uh, buy-in from patients who have, you know, risk factors for heart disease and stroke because I'm saying, listen, you know, before you have a heart attack, you're not going to be able to get to, an, you're tell not going to be able to get an erection. ED. Before you have ED, go see the Re-Up Men's Clinic. It's, if you're starting to have problems, that's usually me. Most men wait two years before they come in and seek help for their problems, their quote, quote, problems. You, you can't see the air quotes on the pod, but they're there. <laughs> <laughs> they wait about two years before they seek help because they don't think, one, nobody's going to understand them, and two, it's something they don't want to talk about. So... At our clinic, we specialize in that. We talk about all day, every day, to every patient we see, so there's nothing new to us. Trust me, there's nothing new to us. We've seen it. <laughs> I got a question. So do you, uh, because of, you know, the vascular flow and, you know, the erectile dysfunction, do you also see, like, a percentage of people that also come in with a issue with depression? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the ways we help separate those two is this it's a questionnaire called the Adams questionnaire and basically it's seven ten questions but those questions are very 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 similar to depression questionnaire so if we find those questions are positive and the testosterone is not low it's probably that you have you're suffering from depression and then if we would like to we can help you with that for natural remedies and things or we can refer you on depending on how bad you're feeling so one of the other things, too, is you, you hinted around this, that there's this hesitation that men have to talk about it because of this embarrassment is what right. I imagine that it is. Mm -hmm. But what I'm hearing from you is lots of guys have this trouble. And yep. that if you're out there listening, you're not the only one. It's not, it shouldn't be a stigma. It, it's not truly an age-related thing that has to happen, but there is a definite age-related relationship at 50, about 10% of men are going to have ED, and then it increases by every decade, another 10%. So by, eight, by around 70, about 70% of the men have a possibility of having ED. Well, and if, if I'm hearing you correctly, you catch that early, you're also catching coronary disease early. Right. And vascular, neurovascular exactly. disease early. You catch it early, you find out that your whole system 
is starting to age. It's called cell senescence. Your, your cells are starting to age faster than we want them to, and so we're feeling the effects of age faster than we have to. If we can stop the cells from going through senescence and apoptosis, cell death, if we can keep the cells healthy, we can fight off the effects. And that, if we're fixing the arteries in one part of the body, we're fixing them all part of the bodies, neuro, cardiac, penile, all of that. So absolutely, but when we start treating this, we treat other things. Now, not all of the meds that we use for ED are gonna treat all, everything, but we have things that can. So it's, it's very important that even if we can't treat it, we now know that there's some kind of problem. Now we can refer to the appropriate place. So you got guys, and you said you have women who come as well for uh, other, it, other? It's funny, our first patient at the REAP Men's Clinic in San Antonio was a woman. <laughs> she came for us to, uh, for weight loss, which we specialize in weight loss. We have amazing products for weight loss that you're not gonna find anywhere else. Um, so absolutely we treat women. Our, our number one drawing commercial right now, it sounds crazy, but it's a female speaking to other females about bringing their guys in for help. That's our number one recru recruiting ad right now. Wow. Well, that's, what, that's what I was gonna ask. You, you were saying that about, takes guys about two years to get about to you? two years. What would you say to those guys who are in that two year period, like, like to encourage them to get over to see you? To There's no, we, no need waiting, we can fix you now. Matter of fact, at the REAP Men's Clinic, we honor, if you go to our on-site, clinic.com, you can request erectile dysfunction aids directly from our website. The, you fill out a questionnaire, it's go, it goes to the provider, they review it, if there's no contraindications, they'll call you, they'll go over everything, and ship directly to your door. There's no need to go to these places that you see like lemonade or whatever, they, they're trying to just make money. I'm trying to help people and I'm here local. Well, and that's, that's the other thing that you know, I think is important is if you are starting to have these problems, it is an early indicator of vascular dis disorder and you're at an increased risk for bigger problems like a heart attack or a stroke. Right. Not, not, that, not being able to have an erection, it's, that's a big problem, but like you know, the, having a heart attack and dying, well, it's game over. You'll, a lot of times the people that with ED have already comorbid conditions, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, those are all very, very commonly associated with ED. I was going to say, like some of these people that come in that you see that have kind of these comorbid conditions, with kind of the treatment that you guys do, do you see any improvement in those comorbid conditions? Dep that's a very good question. So it depends on the treatment. If we're just treating the ED, pretty much all you're gonna treat is the ED. We use phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors, as you know, those work in the cell of the, of the muscles of the arteries and veins and help them relax, causes dilatation. So if we're just doing those pills, no, we're not gonna really see improvement in anything else. But if we're going at the root causes of the cell dysfunction with things like NAD plus and CJC 1295, those kind of things get down at the cellular, yes, they can make a difference. So, so when, you've got, when you've got patients who come in and they're probably you know, coming in because they've been having trouble getting an erection or something, but you recognize, hey, we've got to talk more about lifestyle changes. Do you have the opportunity with those patients to like, sit down and counsel them on, like you mentioned, y'all diet plans, exercise plans? Yeah, Do you get absolutely. into the weeds with them on that? Absolutely. Our consoles, they seem like a, you're booking your life away because we want you to commit to an hour and a half to us because I want to answer all those questions. People have come in and they haven't talked about it. They, they're on the internet searching, but they don't know. They need to 
get the answers. So I, I like to spend at least an hour and a half with the patients, answer every question they have, make sure they have full access to any literature I have, anything like that that I can help the patient. That's what I want to do. It's not necessarily the sale. Don't get me wrong, I'm in business, but I like the helping the patients. I like giving the information. And if they, if they can't use the information, they can give it somewhere else. Do, do you have a question or group of questions that you find is pretty common that you get? What happens when the pills don't work? <laughs> that, you know, that's a serious question, and it's common. That could be a serious situation. Yeah. It, when they quit working, they quit working. And they're only good about 60% of the time. So even when they're working, you've got a 40% failure rate. We got options. We, excuse me, that's poor English. We have options. <laughs> the, the next option most people don't want to hear because hearing it scares them. It scares me when I first heard it. It's called intrapenile injections or intracavernosal injections. It sounds absolutely horrid, but I can promise you it's completely painless and 98% effective. It takes away any issue. It controls the blood flow, and that's it. And it opens up. It's the same medications we use in heart surgery, phenylephrine, prostaglandin. These things open up arteries, and we can control the blood flow. So, yes, there is things we can do when the pills fail. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And it does sound scary. It does. All right, I got another option for you. It's less scary, but um, have you heard of extracorporeal shockwave therapy? Yeah. yeah. We briefly touched about it with my, that guy that had his Achilles. Well, we use the same, we have the same treatment on, on people on their penis, and this causes the blood vessels to heal themselves, so to speak, helps break down the plaque and helps the blood flow increase to the penis, and that's without medication. We do add some medication to increase the effect, um, but that's voluntary if you want it or not. A lot of people say, I want to be totally drug-free. I say, okay, let's try the ESW2. We, we use a protocol to revive pulse-style therapy at the Reup Men's Clinic, but it's ESWT. And you've had good success with it? Excellent recess. We have good patient results. And not only for the erectile. Again, matter of fact, most of our, our really successful stories are with orthopedic injuries. I treated a 73-year-old man yesterday, last week for a first session. He had sciatica going on his leg. He went to his doc. They did an MRI. They said, we can't help you. You need to go to pain specialists. So he's going to pain specialists, and he's taking two to three pill pain, pain pills a day. He's 72 years old. And I'm like, and he's not that stable on his feet. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? He's my next-door neighbor. So I went over to his house, and I said, here, sit down. I gave him ESW treatment on his leg. The next day, he came to my house begging for treatment. He goes, I went to work all day. And I didn't use a single pill, and I feel great. That was after one treatment. That stuff, it is amazing. So, and, and wow. do the same function on penis. We, at risk, it's a restorative procedure. It's amazing. Painless and very, very effective. How many sessions do, does it typically take on, for ortho, or does it depend on the like shoulder, knee, penis? Does it bend? That's a very good question. Each session takes about 15, 15 minutes max. Average, you're going to need about 12 sessions for the penis. There's a way to evaluate. There's, it's a, called the Sexual Health Inventory of Men. It's called the SHIM score. It asks you five questions, and each one of those answers has, each one of those responses has five possible answers. So it's a score from 25 to five. 
the lower the number, the more se severe the ED. Under 11, I'm going to say you're going to need a minimum of 12 sessions under 11. Most ED is going to need 6 to 12. I, I really don't recommend going under that 12 unless you're just doing it for performance sake, unless you're trying to stay off the issues. But if you already have ED, less than 12, don't waste your money. I, I'll just be honest, because I think you'll be better off if you get at least 12. Because, and every quarter, you need to do another one. It's not a permanent thing, so you need to upkeep so you don't fall back. So it takes about 15 minutes per session. 15 per session. And do you I like do to do two, all 12 sessions at once? or do you No, I like to do two a week for three weeks. Okay. Then we take a week off, kind of let your body do its thing, and then we do it again, two a week for three weeks. What about the patient who has the sciatica that you were talking about? Like Him? I did it two, every day for three days. Took off a day, see how he's doing. He's doing well. So now we're going to that schedule twice a week for the next three weeks, and then we'll probably be done. Amazing. It is amazing. I mean, a 73-year-old that he owns a, a, a restaurant in San Marcos, Zydeco Joe's Cajun Food, and so he's up on his feet all day long. He couldn't be on pain pills and do that job. Yeah. So it's just, it's just another thing. It seems like it's a, a mom and pop or a clinic or a, a sham, you know, that we do this stuff, but it changes lives. And this is... Just because your doctor and at the hospital they don't recommend it does not mean it's not effective. Well, changes yeah, and a lot. Yeah, if you can that. give someone back, especially at that age, their quality of life, like without having to use a cane Absolutely. or take all these pain pills or I have to, you know, only work three hours a day and not watch my business, I mean, that's a big game changer there. The what kind of stuff changer. do you do for athletes? I'm assuming same, kind of the same, same thing, right? But PRP is very common in athletes, protein-rich plasma injections. We just get your blood, spin it in a centrifuge at a certain rate with certain buffers, and you come up with a concentrated plasma. That plasma has all your healing cells, your, your platelet cells, some early stem cells. But we inject those cells into the area where you're having problems, and then when in Rome, do as Romans. When they see the area, they start fixing it. Um, that's when we use the PRP for ED at the Riot Men's Clinic. We'd like to do the damage first so the cells have something to work on. That mm -hmm. sounds like we're going to hurt you. But what we're doing is we're going to do a session of that sound wave, the ESWT, causes microvascular damage. Then these PRP cells come in. Now they have a scaffolding to work on. If we don't do that pre-damage, air quotes, then there's not really a good scaffolding for those PRPs. So it's almost on. a waste. Yeah, in my opinion, if yeah. you're doing the PRP without some kind of antecedent trauma or something that they can work on, they're just going to flush in, flesh out. There's no way you can control the degree or the speed of which that body is going to flush any substance out of any area you inject it. And if there's not something, something for it to work on, it's going to go. Wow, that's pretty neat. You sound so smart. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing we do is hair. Lots, everybody has hair issues. Women, men, they think their hair is thinning. We have peptides that help with that, too. Is it, do you just inject it into the scalp? Sorry, That's, I'm dumb. I don't know. No, for that, we do, do PRP. We can inject PRP into the scalp, which helps uh, huge. Hair, hair loss doesn't, is not age-related, so to speak. Hair loss is related to DHT, which is a molecule that testosterone breaks down to, and that causes the cell follicle, the follicles 
cells to shrink down. When the follicle cells shrink down, the follicle gets smaller. Then the, then the hair is thinner and thinner and thinner. Before you know it, it just closes down and says it's dead. So if you can stop that DHT conversion, you can stop hair loss. That's what finasteride is for, mm -hmm. but women can't use it, unfortunately, because it's not good for fetus. Yeah. But women have been using spiranolactone, which also it's a testosterone blocker in another form. So spiranolactone on women, it works pretty well. Finasteride is more for men. Both men or women can use minoxidil, Rogaine. Um, and don't, you don't have to go buy some expensive shampoo. If it has 2% minoxidil, if it's the Walmart mark or the Equate mark or the Rogaine mark, it doesn't matter. 2% minoxidil is 2% minoxidil. You don't have to spend your money on expensive name brand stuff because they tell you you do. And then, of course, we have the PRP, and there's peptides that help in increase growth and a lot of herbs and, and natural vitamins out there. And on our website at the Reup Men's Clinic, we have a link to Wellivate, which is an online pharmacy of all kinds of nutraceuticals and botanicals that, mm -hmm. that we recommend. And we can recommend certain products that you make your searching easier, but you can also find all those products through the website and then search to your desire what you're looking for. Or you can always ask our provider, what do you recommend if I have X? And then they'll take a day or so, review the products, let you know what they think is best for you. Nice. And you do a lot of stuff with weight loss then? I want to do. I want to do a lot. This COVID fifteen is real. Yeah, it I is. know a lot of people have like lost a lot of weight at home, but I'm not one of them. I saw I, a thing that said uh, the average person gained around 30. 30, 38 pounds. Okay, yeah. then I don't feel so bad. Yeah, <laughs> look around. I did it's the same thing. Number. It's a real thing. The real deal. So yeah, um, everybody has phenamine, phentermine, adipex. Yeah. That's out there. Well, but the truth is those are dangerous. I have them too, but they're dangerous. You, you don't want to use them for more than four weeks. If you haven't lost the weight in four weeks, then you need to find another method. You don't want to keep hammering your body with those stimulants. Nowadays, we're using very innovative stuff. What, what do we use naloxone for? Naltrexone. We use it for opioid antagonists, right? But low-dose naltrexone with bupropion or even by itself is a huge weight loss because it hits the euphoric center and it helps the, sa the satiety and you feel forward. So if you add low-dose naltrexone, 1.5 milligrams, that's it. You know, you're using 40 for opioid. You use 1.5 milligrams just to hit that receptor. It does remarkable. We, wow. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And we have, there's, there's a peptide. <laughs> very appropriately titled anti-obesity peptide, 9604. <laughs> they showed studies in that. Yes, the N, the number of participants in the study is small. I think it was like 48 or something. But every single member of that study that was not on the placebo side, every single one showed an improvement after 12 weeks on surface cellulite. Wow. Just That's by crazy. using an ointment. Oh, it was an ointment? Yep, it's an ointment. It's of the AP9604 mixed in with a BPC-157. That's another peptide. And just an ointment base, a, a lotion base. Every single participant showed noticeable results. And they did on one thigh and not the other. So it's, you could look down and see the difference. Wow. It's amazing. 
That's crazy. That would be kind of weird walking around like one big leg, one tiny leg. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you didn't die. <laughs> but you didn't exactly. die. I'm, I'm red legged and right hand. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's very exciting. This this new medicine I, is the the peptides and the innovative treatment. It's just I find it fascinating. So going to work isn't like going to work. Yeah, that's the one thing that is is pretty remarkable about listening to you talk about this. You got a clear passion for it, and it's like you get excited to go to work, and yeah, that's I, something I that's, like it. that's pretty cool. Um, just to see the results that you have, and also to 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 start to see that the patients are buying in, and they can see these results, and then all of a sudden they want to come back for more. And be like, well, wait a minute, what else do I need to do? It opens up so many doors for you to to have great discussions with these patients that says, hey, look, you know, you're doing great here. We need to change this here and work on your diet, your exercise. I mean, you talked about life-saving. It's, I mean, hell, it's like marriage-saving, too. I mean, you can only imagine, like, if you can't have sex with your spouse, like, that could be a pretty big problem, potentially. Um, uh, but it is, it is really... Uh, exciting to listen to you talk about yeah, this. Yeah, it must be nice because, to go to work and feel like you're making a difference. Well, yeah. because also, like sometimes like, we see so much we, doom and gloom. And we do, and hell, I, I need a reminder after I leave shift that I didn't die. It's like, you yeah. know, like I, yeah. Yeah. I need that perspective check every now and again, too. Um, and just to, to listen to me, like, hey, you've got people who are wanting to get better. You're having the opportunity to uh, get to know these people. They're buying in. You're making a difference. And it's got to make you feel good, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. And for men, everybody here, everybody at this table has testosterone, and everybody at this table may be low on testosterone. So that's also a, a very rewarding field because we start losing T about 10% per year about age 30. At 30? So, yeah. Interesting. So that's... the older we get, the more chances we are we're going to be low T. So normal is 216 to 964 is the number. Um, anything under 350, I would say we, we should look at treating. Even what? though the normal is 264, that buffer zone, it, it could be the time of the day you had your labs checked or just the cycle. If and also they recommend that you should have your testosterone checked, I'll be up front, you should have your testosterone checked two times before they make a diagnosis of low T, and I agree with that. But I can't say that's always what we do in the clinic because some people just want to start on tea, and they don't want to come once in the morning, once in the afternoon. If they want to, I'm all for it. That gives us a better diagnosis. But most people just want to, hey, about my low, okay. But I don't just go by just the lab number. I go by the total patient. We do the Adams questions that I talked about. Those are the adult androgen deficiency and the adult male. We do the shim and just different validated questionnaires that are a screening tool for low T plus the lab value, that helps us diagnose and treat. So uh, that's, that's, I love that because I usually tell my patients, it's like, look, it's, it's, the number doesn't really mean anything without some more information, exactly. some symptoms. And um, what are some of the more common symptoms that you're seeing in your patients so that the audience will know, hey, look, I might need to see re-up? Well, like, well, absolutely. Uh, you'll find low libido, which is a decrease in your sexual desire. And it's sometimes quite marked. I mean, the guy's totally healthy, has a beautiful wife, and he's just like, she's beautiful, but I'm just not interested. That could be a huge sign of low T. Uh, erections less firm than they used to be. 
believe it or not, mood, you're moodier, more depression, more sadness, more anxiety. Uh, um, you can have swelling of the ankles and things like that. But a lot of them are mood and mental clarity. If, uh, mental fogginess. If you start, if the morning you're sharper, because, and then they, by the mid-afternoon you start to get foggy, it's kind of because that's the circle of the circadian rhythm of the testosterone. It's high in the morning, so you're kind of sharp. By midday, it's starting to wear off, and you get, come home, fall asleep right after work. Low T, get your T checked. I'm checking my T. Come on down to the, by the end. By the end of shift. By the, know, end, of shift. I, by I, the end of shift, I'm like, I wait, really where sure am I? I this whole conversation was for me, but all those things <laughs> you're saying sound like me. Just Absolutely. <laughs> Women could be low T, too. I, I, a friend of mine, his wife was all excited because she was diagnosed with low T, and she was going to get the pellets. I didn't know she was getting the pellets. And I told her, I said, I do anything about the pellets. And she had an appointment that day to get the pellets. And I'm like, oh, I just stuck my foot in my mouth. But she came up to me about six, six seven weeks later, and she said, I should have listened to you. Two of the pellets fell out, and I, all my hormones are all messed up, and they're in there. Yeah, that happened to there. my friend, just saying. She had, she had the same thing, and she, something went bad with a couple of the pellets, exactly. and she said it was a bigger disaster than exactly. it was worth. And it messes up the hormones because they're stuck in there. You can't get them out. The hormones are now being dispensed. And, uh, I'd rather, we do weekly injections or cream. And women, I, definitely going to do the injections because the cream, uh, if you do a men, with cream and they have a partner who's not low T and the cream transfers to a woman, that's the number one cause of testosterone transfer is by sexual contact between male and female if he's on the topical gel. If you've got a patient who comes in with the symptoms, you check the testosterone's low and say he's just, hey, is there anything I can do before getting shots or cream? How do you normally counsel those patients? Yeah, absolutely. Here's, here's one thing that's very important. Just listen, it's a long story but I think it'll make sense. So let's call your testicles your oven, okay? And we'll call all the supplements the ingredients for a cake. So we take all the ingredients we want to make a beautiful birthday cake. We put them in the oven. The oven doesn't work. Are we gonna get a cake? Nah. No. So that's what I kind of tell guys about the supplements for low testosterone. They said, well, I'm taking the supplements. I'm not noticing any difference. I give them that analogy. If that's the case, then you need the tea. It's just your, your testicles or your gonads and whatever you call them, ovaries or testicles, your gonads are not working. You need to supplement that I mean, or replace that. That's another key word. I used the wrong word. This is testosterone replacement therapy. It's not testosterone supplementation therapy. Testosterone supplementation therapy is going to GNC or rocks and picking up your testophen, your tribulus teratus, all those supplements that can help you with testosterone production. But if you're low, that's not going to get you to normal. It may get you up a little bit, but if your your gonads are not functioning, supplements really won't get you what you're looking for. If you are normal and you're feeling that way, then I would do the tribulus teratis, the macau, the guac root, all that stuff. So if you've got an appropriate level of testosterone, but you're having some of the symptoms, then you would recommend starting supplementation as opposed to replacement. Right. If you're just kind of, if you're in the borderline zone, especially if you're under 40, 45. I really liked, or if you're still wanting or considering children, I mean, because once you get on testosterone replacement therapy, one thing that a lot of people are not educated about is it's a negative feedback hormone. What that means is your body senses how much testosterone you have. If you don't have enough, it says, let's make some more. If you have plenty of testosterone, it stops the production. So we give you a shot of this exogenous tea, we give you a shot. Your body's gonna think you have enough tea, it's gonna stop producing it. 
So for guys like who go to the gym and they do the gym tea, they're actually lowering their tea because their body is now saying, hey, I got enough, I'm not making it. So they actually stop their own production. And then they wonder why they get gynecomastia, why their estrogen's level. They just wholly messed up their hormones. You can say, you can say man boobs, that's totally cool. <laughs> they get boobs, I call them boobs, man <laughs> boobs, yeah. <laughs> I got my own set. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I actually had a guy come into the ER one day because his nipples hurt so bad did you take his prolactin level? So I was like, dude, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I've been shooting up. And I was like, oh. yeah. yeah. And that's a real problem. It like, is, these absolutely. dudes come in and they're like, dude, absolutely. you don't understand. I just cut my nipples off. Oh, it hurt. It, it, it's, it, it's painful. Guys can really mess up their hormones. Pretty, girls, too, if you do it. There's female bodybuilders, not so that lie. Yeah. yeah Have that's you ever true. had anyone come into the clinic and ask for something? No, I don't want to say inappropriate, but probably a little outlandish. And I ask this because I've taken care of a couple of women that were, and I kid you not, probably 130, if they would maybe just walk or maybe, you know, lift a little weights, they'd look great. But 130-ish, and their doc or doc in a box put them on Phentermine. Exactly. Like, have you ever had any yeah. women come in like that, and you're like, lady? Believe it or not, San Antonio, I have more, I used to run a weight class weight loss clinic in Fort Collins, Colorado, and then here. I have more women here seeking phenamine. They, it's almost like they're looking for the phenamine and not the weight loss. Yeah. I, and, and so what do I do with that? I don't prescribe phenamine. Uh, there's lots of other substances, like a, the uh, anti-obesity peptide. Mm -hmm. That's where I would go first, actually, for that person. They're not, it's not as attractive because it is a sub-Q injection every night. But it's, you don't have the, your, your risk of giving yourself any QT prolongation. Yeah, there. this woman came in for chest pain and palpitations. And yeah. I'm like, well, what are, went through her med list? I'm like, what are you taking this for? Right. Well, I'm trying to lose weight. I'm like, you're 130 pounds, lady. Like, just, yeah. why don't you lift a couple of weights? You'd be okay. And she didn't look bad. But yeah. I'm like, are you crazy? I, yeah, that's, uh, I, I had a 23-year-old when I was in med school that I was helping take care of. And uh, the, the resident showed me that her troponin was elevated. So for those of you who may not know, it's a biomarker. We look for cardiac injury. And she had no risk factor. She wasn't obey, obese or anything. Uh, but she was having shortness of breath. So we were like, well, we've, we've got to chase this. What was interesting is that at that time, the repeat troponin was the elevated one, not the initial one. So we were thinking we'd get a repeat when everything was good, all the rest of her labs were well, it ended up going up from the second. It went up more to the third, went up more to the fourth. This is over the court after we had admitted her, but we talked to the cardiologist the next day. And I, you know, in, in med school, I was like trying to think of, oh, did I forget to ask this question or that question? And it turns out I did forget to ask questions. When I asked about their um, vitamins, I didn't ask about the vitamins. Well, or I may have asked about vitamins, but I didn't ask about supplements or something. Yep. So I asked about like, what medications are you taking? Well, what she didn't mention was the diet pill that she was on. I don't remember the name of it. But that was the only thing the cardiologist could think could have potentially caused some troponin leak. I tell you, another thing, it very well could have been, but another thing I would definitely think about, if you have isolated troponin levels, you have no idea why, check if she has hair or nail complaints. Maybe she's taking biotin. Biotin is going to raise her troponins. Absolutely. I've heard that. Yeah. So, I've heard that. So if they come in for hair or nail complaints, and hey, are you anything for your hair or nails? Look for the biotin. Okay, interesting. interesting. Uh, now, this is, it is. 
That's, I would have never thought <laughs> of that. <laughs> anyway. Well, well and, and this, that's actually, you know, also important, too. Any, are there any other adverse events or side effects that we need to worry about for patients who are considering testosterone replacement therapy or uh, the fentermine or any of those other uh, medications? That well, Doc, those are so many different questions. Sorry. Let's, let's go. <laughs> uh, testosterone. I, absolutely. I have a... Everybody has the absolute cutoff of a PSA above four. Zero to four is normal. I actually have a cutoff of 2.5. If it's over 2.5, it's not a cutoff, but it's a hold, and I'm going to check out. I mean, we shouldn't have an elevated PSA unless there's something going on. On the other hand, of that is also true that 100% of us males live to be 100. 100% of us will have prostate cancer. The question is not are we going to die with it or from it. That's the question. Yeah. Most of us die with it and don't even know we have it. But anyway, PSA is a cutoff for, for testosterone. If I'm going to do any growth hormone stimulants or secretagogues like ipramorlin, cimmerellin, or even that AOD 9604, I would check the IGF-1, insulin growth factor 1, because that's a good indicator of your growth hormone level. Anything under 142 probably you, you could be treated with something over 142. That's not the way you want to go. So yeah, there's different, depending on what the patient is there for, it, it depends on what my, I don't, everybody doesn't get treatment just because they want it, I guess. Um, sometimes it's hard to turn patients away for that, but the thing I tell them is I'm here to treat you safely. That's my number one goal. So if it's not safe, we're not doing it. That's good to know, though. Like yeah. I said, well, some of these people that come in with, like, the lady, 130 pounds, and wants to be on fentramine and stuff, yeah. like, yeah. that's just outlandish to Well, me. especially in the, the acute care setting, you know, we're constantly thinking about risk-benefit, risk-benefit. And so much of what we do, it's like, well, yes, the, the, so the TPA, right? Like, you had a stroke. Yes, there's a risk. This medicine could have a bleed, and that's bad. There's also a risk that you could never speak right again. <laughs> because you're not speaking right now, there's a risk that your leg will never work again. So what's the benefit? Like that's constantly back and forth. What are we, you know, risk benefits? So, um, you know, it's just, like you said, important to each patient yeah. hear their story and assess, like, is this benefit outweigh the risk in I, this medicine? I think the key to medicine nowadays is education. Yeah. I, I think the more we can educate our patients, the more informed decision they make, the less negative is going to come back on you if something does go wrong, and just the better overall compliance with the whole situation. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Education is such a big component. Um, I admitted a young lady um, probably a couple months ago, and she was obese and diabetic, and um, it was really sad. I, I felt bad for her, and I don't feel bad for a lot of people, and everybody knows this. <laughs> But I really felt bad for her because she knew that she was diabetic and she was exercising, trying to lose the weight. She had lost already about 40 pounds in the span of like six months, just exercise and diet alone. Um, but she said she's always been overweight. And she said when she was younger, her doctor would tell her, if you don't, use, if you don't lose weight, you're going to be diabetic. And she said, I didn't know what that meant when I was younger. Like, I didn't know what diabetes was. My mom never told me what it was, but she was diabetic. She says, now my mom is um, on dialysis, has no legs. She says, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want that for my kids. And I felt sorry for her because, like, a tear came to her eye. She's like, nobody really told me what being diabetic meant and what it entailed for my entire life. She says, up until now that I'm an adult and I have children, and I know I don't want this for my children. So, yes, like, 
education is such a big key, and people don't realize how important it is. Absolutely. And diabetes is one of the main ones. You hear it, it's, it's in everybody's vernacular. Everybody, oh, you got diabetic. That's all, oh, diabetic. Okay, so he has to take sugar. And so, uh, I don't know, something about that. They don't really know. Yeah. And, and it's just so prevalent. People just ignore how costly it is. And it's almost accepted. It's like, oh, I got it now. Exactly. It, yeah. In certain communities, it's weird it's if you don't. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have it, it's weird. Something's wrong with you. Yeah, it's like, hmm, your mama must not be cooking well. <laughs> <laughs> or you think yeah, you're better actually... than us because you don't have it. Yeah. Yes, I've heard that one. Yeah, like, oh exactly. You can't hang out with this because you're not diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like the... It's almost like we're, I'm, look, you got me thinking of something right now. I'm worried about the future, and I just want to ask you guys, you guys, this is totally off the cuff. You have this, you're not prepared for this cub question. Do you think there's going to be a COVID vaccine card requirement within the next year? What do you mean? Like, like you can't for fly anything? with it? You yeah, can't? I do. Possibly. I think there is. What Probably. do you think about that? What do I think about it? Yeah. It'll be you know, interesting to see what happens yeah. with the anti-vaxxers, like, because they're going to raise their head and say, wait a minute. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, how can we mandate somebody gets a shot? I don't know. Especially I don't one that was forced through processing quicker than any other drug in history. Well, yeah. and, I, and I don't think we should, because let's be honest, there's still going to be people who are allergic to, allergic to components of it. And they're, for whatever reason, not going to be able to take it. So what, they're going to have a special card that says, hey, I, I mean, that just, just doesn't seem realistic. But. And then it's going to be another card. Well, you had the AstraZeneca. Oh, you had the AstraZeneca. <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, no. can only, you can only travel to, uh, to Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just scary. Yeah. Sorry, uh, that was totally off subject. No, no. Well, but kind of back, back to the subject. Um, do you all track sugar in glucose in your labs and if so are you seeing any of the treatments for say uh testosterone placement helping with things like insulin sensitivity or that's an excellent question and i unfortunately have to say no except for my latest patient i the brand new patient i just got she's a type 1 diabetic she's been on insulin she has a pump she has everything she's been on it for 40 years and i said well my goal for you yes i'd like you to lose weight but my goal for you is reduce your basal rate on your pump. That means we're reducing the insulin yeah. resistance. So I can proudly say after one month, it's not great, but from her 0.2 a.m. to 0.6 a.m., she went from a basal rate of 2 to 1.8. It's not huge, but it's four hours where we it's do a, have... Yeah, that's a big It's in the right direction. Yeah. It's <laughs> a step, and that's without medication. Well, that, would, that would be something really interesting, too, because right? you know we're on the side where we're seeing... And sadly, by the time patients see us, they probably have had erectile dysfunction for more than two years. Like, oh, yeah. please send them away. Please send them to the Rip Men's Clinic, please. <laughs> yes. But, the, the, you know, if we can, you know, catch this early, whether it's through, hey, erectile dysfunction or uh, just noticing that the treatments that you're offering are also helping with insulin sensitivity. And all of a sudden, patients are realizing, like, hey, you know, maybe I should... You know, continue down this path of rejuvenation, healthier lifestyle, all those kinds of things. I'm a proud member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. And I'm a proud member of that. And there, if you go to the A4M website, you can find out so much incredible things about what's out there now, peptides and different things. That It's amazing what's out there. Wow, without having to uh, 
I guess, uh, succumb to taking some of these over-the-counter stuff that you can just buy online. Exactly. Sometimes you have no idea what it, what's in it. I'll say that for myself because yeah. I was taking um, a fat burner. Which one? Oh, God. What was it? DTE? I don't know what's in it, but I see that on the shelf. So, um, and this happened to be a couple years ago. I, I don't have, like, any comorbids other than asthma. But, and probably that I stayed up over 24 hours didn't help my any. But, you know, I took a couple, went and worked out, had a really hard workout, and I ended up having stroke-like symptoms, like facial droop, dragging, couldn't speak. Like, I kid you not, stroke-like symptoms, dysarthria, the whole bit. Um, Were there, is that a stimulant? There's stimulant in it. Um, ephedrine? No, there's no ephedrine in it. There's no ephedrine in it. Huh. Um, but I had this TIA, and... It's, it's happened two other times since then, but it happens like when I, like all of a sudden, like I get excited or scared or my blood pressure light goes up and, and it'll same thing. Like I get the dysarthria, the droop. I think, honestly, I think I just get like these spasm, like my vessels, uh, spasm in my brain. So now, I think that's what happens. Have you done a carotid artery spe- uh, study? Well, I had the CTA, the head and neck, and that was fine. Like, they did it. I had the whole MRI thing. They are like, dude, your vessels are clean. They Everything's were just good. like, yeah, they're like, stop taking this. So. Yeah, it sounds like Fedra. Yeah, so, well, like yeah, it. something like Whatever that, that E is, is, I would have bet it. The DTE, the E is probably something the something. bad component. Yeah, I agree with that. So if you have stuff that can save people like me from doing dumb shit like that. Yep. <laughs> the only bad drug that I have, really, is phenamine and... I have it because people know it and they, they use it. In some cases, it's appropriate, but I try to not yeah. use it. I, I in really some do. cases, it is appropriate. Exactly. Like I've seen some people that are really overweight and have done everything they can up until that point. And yeah, right. I've seen that given as kind of like a last ditch, like let's just help you a little bit more. What's uh, the new GLP inhibitors, the, the diabetes medicines? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. I There's new studies that yeah. a low dose of that is... Excellent for weight loss. You know they used to use a metformin. Mm-hmm. And some people still use, but that, that new class of drugs is showing good promise for weight loss. Yeah, they those. also have good cardiovascular benefits too. Exactly. So yeah. there's looking at medicines. It's very common across all the board now. What are they call it microdosing. Mm-hmm. Well, microdosing of a lot of different things is better than taking one big dose of it. So. For example, we've already talked about the naltrexone. Now these diabetes, man, low doses, they're still right working in the right cycle, but they're not flooding our body. So that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Plus you don't get the major side effects. Right? Exactly. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a little more, more uh, I think, geared for everybody versus just men. Yeah, which is, I think... Really good to know too yeah. is that oh, up isn't just for men. I mean, sure, it's, it's great if if you. you know. I, the, I but, told you our first patient was a fo- woman. She said, "I'll be honest with you. I, I almost didn't call you because I read one piece of marketing that says we're primarily for men. What we treat women, we just don't market to them." She's that offended me, so I got to go find that in the literature where I got to take that out that we don't market. <laughs> <to them>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, That's no. I mean, it is. It is important, and I think, like, like you said, you know, you have the advertisement with the, the woman talking to other women who are like, hey, look, if your guy's having trouble, get him in there, because Absolutely. that, like, like I said earlier, I mean, that can help marriages, that can help a lot of things, uh, just, like mental, mental health, I know we, we brushed over that, but I can only imagine that if you can't have sex anymore, that you're going to be depressed, um, and so that probably is 
hugely beneficial psychologically to your patients. Absolutely. So, because you know, I know we see a lot of uh, a lot of depression uh, and mental health disorders where we work. Yeah. So, um, anything to kind of help them is going to make them feel better. Exactly. Anything that helps people feel better is what I like to do. I used to be the, the like Craig said, I was a bad, none of that. Right now, I'm just a peaceful guy. <laughs> Let's make love, not war. Uh, it's nice to see that you're passionate about it, though, that you're yeah. extremely passionate about it. I had a great team with me. They're, yeah, I'm excited about everything here. That's awesome, man. So you said you got uh, your stores in San Antonio? or your, your, Yeah, it's on Wurzbach, 8600 Wurzbach. One, main, just our, one location right now? Right now. Well, we got one in Denver, but... Oh, okay. All right. So our practitioner is Kim, Kim Gutierrez. She's uh, excellent. She's a nurse practitioner, and she's very good at what she does, and I'm there to back things up. <laughs> awesome. Hours of operation? All right, 9 to 5. Right now, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, because our partner, we partner with uh, Clarisana. We, we're co-located with them, and they're using the clinic Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're got it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you'll see... Uh, dual marketing when you go in there, but it's it's all the same place, but different personnel. Nice. Awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Sounds like this has been a a really good project and journey for you, in terms of like, and I'm I guess reading between the lines here, but we listen to you, we we hear your energy and your passion, and I'm like, this is therapeutic for you. You like doing this. I like, do like doing this. Like, it, this is I, when I uh, when I started doing this. I said, this is really kind of fascinating. I mean, it, one you meet some crazy people and hear some crazy stories. So that, <laughs> that makes work kind of fun sometimes. But it's it's so rewarding because you know you're helping people immediately. I mean, we do testos in the clinic of the interject the injections. People are scared of it, um, but. It's amazing. You inject, and two minutes later, you go in there, and a guy that was grumpy and frowning is dark. I've never seen anything like this, and he's, it's incredible that how happy they are that I'm not broken. That's yeah, great. that's true. I bet there's a lot of people that kind of feel like that, like, man, something's wrong with me. Like, I've been yeah. to 100 different docs. and Yeah, a, a man who cannot get hard does not feel like a man. <laughs> Well, and, and you know, it doesn't mean he's not. <laughs> no, but still, that's a big psychological component, it's a huge though. It's psychological I mean, that's, component. Yeah, it's that's part of your identity as a man. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, it just is. <laughs> yeah. Now that you say that, yes. it is. It's like, yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody wants to be dickless. Yeah. No. <laughs> that would be a bad thing. Yeah, that's a bad day right there. Yeah. Well, you know, and then just. One of the things that I've noticed when, when I'm seeing patients, sometimes I feel like I'm on this treadmill and the speed gets turned up, but I'm not going anywhere. And like, I don't see, uh, short of reducing a dislocated shoulder, I don't see that instant job satisfaction. Right. Like, I'm just like, yep, yeah. you still have heart failure and yep, you still have COPD and yep, you still have diabetes and yeah, I've got your sugar down until you don't take your medicine. Like, right. it's almost just defeating. Like, and then you show back up the next day, and it's the same problems in a different patient. And it's like, absolutely. wait a minute, I, I was just here. What, did I not do anything right? Twilight like, Zone. Yeah, it's, uh, absolutely. it's like the when worst Groundhog Day ever. <laughs> when Craig and I were working together, we the same thing. We could help people immediately. We can get you through the OR. We can get you out of the OR. We've done everything. We can get you out of the ICU. We can get you home. But we didn't change your disease state. Unless you do something, you're going to be back. 
Period. That is, uh, Period. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. Well, and it, you know, back to what you had said earlier, having patients buy in and take some personal responsibility and step up to the plate. You know, they've got to be a part of their care. That's one thing that I'm, I've struggled with in the emergency department. Something that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I do have a question for you. So. Does your clinic, do you also tap into like some of the VA stuff? Like are you able to take VA patients or anything? Like I can that? take anybody. I don't do any insurance. We're all cash. Okay. So anybody, I could take anybody. What we do is if you need something, if you want your insurance to pay for it, I tell people I can give you a super bill with codes. You can turn it into them, but it's a reimbursement and it'll be reimbursed at an out of network rate because I'm not in any network. So it'll be out of network rate if you do use your insurance. If patients have a health savings account, can they use that towards your services? You can use that as, okay. as, it, as it goes through the credit card processor, like a credit card. Okay, yeah. So I'm trying to wrap my mind around that 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 process, but I know. And we also have patient financing available if you get into some more expensive treatment. I mean, some of this could, and treatment can run, you know. It, couple thousand dollars and not everybody has a couple thousand dollars lying around so we have patient treatment plans as well basically they basically want a certain amount up front and then paid off within three installments so it's breaking it into four total that's pretty but, much but let's 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 put that in perspective too you let's just say it's two thousand dollars for the sake of argument uh you take that initiative you start improving your health you get better you stay out of the ER, which is easily a multi-thousand dollar admission. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a much better investment. So, you know, I definitely want to encourage people to think about it in those terms because, yes, we, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a, you know, a company that offers benefit, but, you know, you're offering a benefit. And it has to be put into, into risk because I think the people that... You know, just like, oh, that's $2,000, man, I don't have that. It's like, well, do you have $20,000 for your ICU stay? We, in, we can put it in dirty terms if you want. So, Oh, yeah, no, we like this. For example, <laughs> look at the statistics. I don't know if you can find illegal sex act or whatever. If you pay for sex, it's going to be about $100 or whatever. And if you pay for that 20 times, you could be fixed. That's putting it in dirty terms, but you know what I mean? Sometimes people, that's the only math they understand. Well, yeah, you got to put it in terms that people understand I, because yeah. it's like, oh. If you're going to spend that money go, wasting it because you don't want to be with somebody you actually care about, you're just wanting to do the act and you're wasting your money because you want to do that with somebody you love. Yeah. So if you fixed yourself with that money, you would be much happier. Yeah. Well, and then much healthier. So not yeah, just exactly. Yeah. And disease free. And, 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 and yeah, exactly. That's one of the most important ones right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Disease free is also yeah. nice. <laughs> what was the movie? What was it? What was the movie? It's like, what, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Yeah. Except herpes. That shit comes home. To you. <laughs> that shit can come back. <laughs> old, uh, not old school. What was it? The Hangover. Uh, the Hangover, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was it. Um, That was awesome. You got anything else for us? We got all kinds of stuff for you. What are we talking about? We can talk about whatever you want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, I, I'm thankful you came out and talked to us about re-up, uh, talked to us about you know, your involvement in it, your passion in it. Anything else that you want to tell uh, anybody out there that 
uh, we haven't talked about. I mean, I know, you know, we want to encourage. Hey, I, I, got, women I got a question for you. <clears throat> so, and it's because I've gotten asked the question. So I'm going to ask you. Okay. How have you made the transition from combat veteran, Purple Heart recipient, to entrepreneur, doing your own thing, and being healthy? How did I do it? Yeah. It? How did you do it? Well, I have to give credit to somebody I don't want to give credit to is my old boss. He, he, he hired me at the Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic. Um, he hired me into a position, thankfully, where I was setting up the um, protocol. He was brand new men's clinic, and I was his first PA, so I helped him set it up. So that's where I got my background. And then after opening probably five clinics for him, I said, it's time for me. I, I know what to do. Uh, let's just do it. So, yes, he helped me out, um, but, but the position he gave me helped me make the next step. And then, thank God for the, the Purple Heart, which gives me disability from the military. That's the money that funded this company, and that's why I can truly say this is a veteran-owned and veteran-funded company because basically the VA paid for it. Nice. Has it been, uh, obviously, talk to us about any challenges that you had making that transition from, you know, military life to civilian life. I know that we have a handful of veterans that listen, and they're probably trying to make some, that transition, some of them themselves, that's having what, that, like, hey, here's your mission, here's your orders, do this, and you get out, and you're like. That's a whole <laughs> other podcast. But that's fair, that's it, fair. It's, it's uh if you're having trouble, all I can say is talk to somebody. If you can't talk to some of your old teammates or friends from the military, talk to a, a psychological professional. Talk to your primary care. They, they will get you connected to somebody. But talk to somebody. Don't let it go. And I can tell you firsthand from uh, my experience with Clarisana.com, if I can throw the name out there, they treat veterans with PTSD and depression, uh, and they they do it very well. Uh, they treated me, and I think that that was the, one of the turning points in my life because it gave me focus. Uh, before that, I didn't really have focus. I would just do stuff, and I was good at it, but I didn't have any focus. Now I have focus, and I th truly think it's because of the treatment I got at Clarisana, which is for PTSD and depression. So, and yeah, I, I took advantage of what the VA had. What it takes for the veteran to get through it, he has to take advantage, or she has to take advantage of what's out there and use it. Same thing, our very first opening statement, you have to be involved. If you don't treat your symptoms of depression and PTSD, they're just gonna grow, they don't go away. You treat a headache, so why don't you treat your depression? So that's a great message, is get help. Well, and then, you know, for any of our providers who are listening, it's, the onus is also on us to ask questions, to probe and, and try to make sure that mental health is just as important as the physical exam that we're doing. Mental health is getting more and more important that as this COVID has isolated so many people, increased their anxiety, increased their depression. One thing it has done, some people say it's bad, some people say it's good. To me, I'm enjoying it, is open up the whole new field of telehealth. So now you can literally Reach your doctor. You can reach me within 10 minutes on the website, and we can have a video conference. You can see my ugly face, and we could talk. So there's no need to do this alone. I think it's 
been a huge asset having telehealth because it's allowed patients who may not have wanted to go sit in a waiting room or maybe they were in I mean maybe they were embarrassed to talk about exactly. low testosterone or erectile dysfunction it's probably not a very fun conversation to have but if you can do it in the privacy of your own home knowing that the information is privacy protected yep. <laughs> and you're talking to a professional well Absolutely. There's really no excuse not to take care of yourself. Absolutely. I would say probably 60% of our appointments now at the Rehab Men's Clinic is through telehealth. You just get on the computer, you set the time that works for you, that automatically populates our provider schedule, you're on the board. And then you can sit in your living room. We like you to have clothes on, <laughs> but you could be at your house. Yeah, that's got to be a must now. <laughs> yeah, it's most, some people go with just a shirt, no pants, you know. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, so we could, you, like you said, you could do it in your health now. It's a huge thing, and it's, and I think if any offices haven't adapted to it yet, they will or they won't survive. Yeah, no, I think yeah, that's, I think in post-COVID era, yeah, I uh, think you're definitely right okay, about that's that. That's true, but I mean, I think it's also encouraging to hear that you took the opportunity to say, hey, look, I need some help, and I think whether you're a veteran or not a veteran, uh, we all get to a point where it's like. I need some help. I need to talk to someone. You know, I, I know my experience in medical school is pretty damn miserable. <laughs> and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor I could reach out to and say, I hate this. I think I've made a terrible mistake. And he was able to sort of talk me through the challenges of it because it's, my experience was that it wasn't just academic. Sure, it's academically hard, but it's, the, it's just the, the way you get treated kind of going through the process uh, is not encouraging. And I, I said a long time ago when I was working with the residents, I said, I would rather get any other doctorate degree than an MD. That's the lowest paying doctorate degree, and you have to work the hardest for it. Yeah, it's, it's you know, and then you, you, you get... You, know, you get through your first couple of years, and you're like, "Oh, sweet! I got. I'm, I'm going to get in the in the clinic. I'm out of the classroom, so to speak." You know, and then you get to your first rotation, and you know the residents talk to you like you're shit. You stay in twice as much. The attendings, if you try to ask them a question, like, they they will just say, "Don't talk to me. Ask the resident." Like, you're just not a human, and you're in their way. And it's like, "Wow, cool! I'm paying for this. This is awesome." Right. You I'm know? paying to be treated like an idiot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You know, and then you get to residency and the nurses are like, you don't know shit. And you're like, I know I don't know shit. That's why I'm here. Like, <laughs> you know, but then, but then you have. You, yeah, you know, we used to take advantage of that, didn't we? <laughs> but you also have some doctors who are, you know, can, can be pompous. And uh, yeah. we all are. <laughs> and, and, but at the same time. On the, on the, on the, on the bright side, I, I do have to say this. Like, there, there were genuine there were, there was moments i can say throughout my career that i have genuinely invested in residents right because i knew like they were going to be good people and yeah that is true and i did everything i could in my power to like you know try to protect them try to make sure that the attending wasn't going to like come right. drilling after them or their chief resident or anything and and you and i both know this like you know there were there were people that we took care of they're like dude don't do that. Don't, you don't <laughs> do not do that. Do not do that. Do you, <laughs> you know. Well, well, and I also, I also wish that there were more medical students and residents who were willing to ask the advice of 
the nurses or the physician assistants and nurse practitioners or someone before they went straight to the, the resident, the chief resident or the attending and asked the dumbass question. Exactly. Like just if you're, if you're going to be a dumbass, try to hide it a little buffer bit. Buffer it somehow. But, but accept, <laughs> yeah, buffer it, but also accept that you're there to learn. No one expects you to know this, but like humble yourself. Exactly. To go and ask the question. I tell you, one of the first lessons I learned uh, was you treat everybody the same. And that doesn't mean you treat everybody like shit. It means you treat everybody the same. If they're the janitor, they get the same respect and the same care of the chief of staff. The exact same. If you do anything different, that's when you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Those were probably always the, the most challenging attending physicians I had to deal with were the ones that you know, the, you would watch them talk to the executives in the hospital a certain way, and then you would watch them talk to their residents a different way, to the nurses a different, different way. way. It's, like, it's like these schizophrenic people that yes. they're in this position of power, and you never knew. Who, uh, it, those were the hardest. Whether to, they took your yeah. that day or not. Right, right. Yeah. As opposed to the attending, it's like, well, you're just a dick to everybody. Like, that's, I can deal with you. <laughs> See, that, that's me. People know I'm a dick, but they know. But, that I'm coming at but, you from something good. And, and, and equal treatments for everybody. <laughs> yeah, you know it's going to be level. I'm not, there's no preferences. You know what? The people who uh, feel entitled, they get upset when you treat them the same way as you treat other people. They want, it's like, no, no, no. One, this is 2021. Have you not been watching the news? This is equality and equity. Not, it's... I hate when anybody makes any distinction between any other human being. A human being is a human being, period. Male, female, pink, white, yellow, don't matter. So it all needs to be treated exactly the same, not only based on skin color, but on monetary income, education, everything. People are judged so often now just by the appearance they even ask them a question. <laughs> For example, if I see... And I'm, I'm not going to lie, if I see somebody of Arabic dis, uh, you know, descent wearing Arabic-looking clothes, I'm going to feel different about them than if he was wearing jeans and a T-shirt. But I never even asked him a question. So that's kind of shit we have to get away from. Yeah, I was, I was, I was lucky I had um, I see a basketball, assistant basketball coach. But I was like 12 or 13, so I was, I was a little kid. Um, but kind of kept up with him uh, through high school, and um, he he was a stockbroker, and I always just assumed he did really well because he drove nice cars and he had a nice house, and he was he was always, he was a very pleasant guy. But got to talking to another friend later in life who was also friends with this stockbroker, and this friend said, you know, that guy was successful because he treated everyone the same. His first client that actually invested with him showed up in, you know, one of these ritzy bank buildings that the stockbroker guys worked in. And, you know, this guy, he had his suit on, but again, treated everyone the same. So this client shows up in uh, cowboy boots and uh, like overalls and like walks in and all the other stockbrokers are pretty like, I mean, this, you don't, have, yeah, you don't have any money. I don't waste my time. And this guy set up. He's like, "Yeah, well, how, can I help you? Like, what, what can we do? You know, just what are your what are your goals? You know, do we need to work on setting retirement stuff up or insurance? What, what do we need?" Treat, treated him like a human being. Turns out this guy had inherited uh, twenty million dollars from his family, and he'd like he was a farmer. I don't know what to do with it. And he's like, "I need some help with my twenty million dollars." 
all because this guy treated him like a person yep. and didn't judge him because he was wearing overalls. And, exactly. You know, and I was, I was young enough in my life to have that story impact me. It's like, yeah. you just never know, like, who, who you're treating, exactly. who you're taking care of. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I get, I, I'm guilty of being, you know, too judgmental and I need to put that in check. But it's a, a good reminder. I, I am constantly reminded of people's uh, prejudices or whatever. If you look at me, you guys can see me. I don't look like anybody that knows anything. I'm covered with <laughs> tattoos. I look like a thug. But that's just, don't read the book that way because that's not who I am. You didn't know that about me until I just now said it. So if it changes your opinion, you need to think about what you were thinking. Right. That's right. That is true. Yeah, it is. It is. We got to, you know, we, and I think we have a hard time too in the, in the ER, you know, because we don't have the whole story and oftentimes our patients can't talk to us. So we have to unfortunately make certain assumptions and we have to be very careful, I think, of those assumptions that we make. And um, that's one of the rooms where you get in the biggest trouble is the ER because yeah. you've got such a variety of stuff coming through with so many different causes. It's, you got yeah. a hard job because you have yeah. to weed through a lot to get to the problem. The, the flip side, though, is I also also know of providers who avoid asking questions because they don't want to offend. And I think that's just as dangerous. And so you can take erectile dysfunction. Not that I ask a lot of questions in the ER about that, but maybe I should. Because if it's an early indicator of heart disease and vascular disease, well, maybe I should make some people feel uncomfortable because I am trying to make a difference and catch disease earlier. You know, maybe I need to ask some of those uncomfortable questions about, you know. Yeah, that's just trying to get them to buy into it, though. Like, you know, this is a problem because yeah. your, heart's, your heart's giving you problems. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just recently did uh, one of the Texas prerequisite CMEs, and I, I have to admit I was humbled because it was on um, racial inequality. And they asked questions, do you ask their binary sex? I'm like, no, I've been in medicine for 22 years. Are you male or female? That's the only question I know. That's not the only answer anymore. So they asked that question, are you doing that? It was on one of those uh, self-improvement quiz. Are you asking the binary? Are you asking how they identify? You know, and I usually I never asked race because it don't matter to me. But the people who check what you ask, it matters. Are you asking the question? I don't know why ask. Do you have to put down your race? Because in my opinion, it doesn't matter. But they get offended if you don't ask. You get a negative remark on your chart reviews. And I'm like, okay. So I'm learning to ask these questions. And some of them are foreign to me. It's like, I wonder when they're going to add the human race. That's what I put. If there's ever other, I write in human. I always do that. I don't know. <laughs> I, that's, that's what I want to see on a chart. Do you identify as a human? Because to me right now, there's so much jargon and um, you know, politicizing of so many things that you, know, you talk about humility, but people have forgotten how to be human. I agree. They, they've taken the civil out of civilization. Yeah. Now it's just a bunch of people together. You don't even know who your neighbor is 80% of the time anymore. I have to admit, I know my neighbor just, but I live in a real small neighborhood. Yeah. But a lot of people don't. And you know what? I'm going to take that. That is going to be, I'm changing my form tonight. I'm going to ask 
race, human, is the first one. If they go below that, then you could infer that they're prejudiced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm true. If you, if you don't mark human, you mark Latin. Okay. Does that mean you're not human? Right. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like... I no, identify as an alien. <laughs> human or alien, I guess that would be the choices. <laughs> You're still crazy. Aren't you? I know. It's, uh, yeah, and uh, again, like in the emergency setting, emergency setting, we don't know anybody, so we have to just like, it's like, do you bleed red blood? Yeah. You know, because if you, if a, a if you don't, you probably have a disease we need to worry about. You know. Yeah, and, you got bigger problems. Yeah. Than you tell buddy. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but beyond that, like we just have to do the best we can to. You know, ask the open-ended questions, and we've got a short period of time to develop a rapport with people to where they are going to trust, hey, listen, he's asking me about my mental health or my recreational drug use or my erectile dysfunction because he is trying to make, or she, he or she is trying to make a difference in my life, in my health. Right. You don't want them to think you're asking the question so you can fill out a police report. Yeah, no, every time, almost, almost every time I ask about recreational drugs, um, I said, look, I don't, I don't care. I just have to, I just have to know. Like, I, just I, so I, I know if you're on something. Yeah, I just, I, I, I always follow it up. It's like, look, I really, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm not your mom and dad. I'm not the police. I, we just need to know. Like, there are certain medications yeah, that don't and play I ask, well. I, when I admit everybody, I ask everybody, even grandma and grandpa, you'd be surprised. Like, I admitted some guy the other day for chest pain. I think they said his heart score was like a five or six or something. And of course, I asked him the whole drugs, and he's like, "Well, yeah, I've been using meth and some cocaine." Mm-hmm. So, makes a big difference in you know, yeah, your treatment. No, it, it it definitely does, and we don't care. I mean, we care in the sense that we want you to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. but I'm not. But we're not calling the cops. Well, not only that, we're not like judging you beyond just like, "Hey, listen, this isn't good for you." You hear a pertinent story? Yes. Same question: Are you taking any drugs? Yeah, I take meth. When was the last time? in the parking lot. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but, it, well, you do. If you have a priapism, an erection that doesn't, doesn't go away, what do you use to take it away? Phenylephrine, which is injectable Sudafed, which is used to make meth. So if you're taking meth, you're giving yourself ED, 100%. We, if you ever take Sudafed, you'll notice that it, things don't work the same. And if you're inhaling meth every day, you gave yourself guaranteed ED. Wow, so if you don't ask that question, I'm going to treat this guy forever, and he's never going to get better, ever, because everything he's doing is reverse of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And I told him, I said, I want to help you, but until you stop the meth, I can't. Yeah. Well, One, yeah. meth's bad for you. Yeah. So I, I, but not being judgmental, I just can't. Yeah. It won't help you. Yeah. yeah. But also, like, by approaching it from that standpoint, you're staying very objective. Like you're, you're, you're not making a judgment state. You're simply saying, listen, this recreational drug will not allow you to perform because of its properties and the way that it interacts with your body. And that's all it took. He quit. Yeah. Wow. Because he wanted sex. I saw him back in a month. After a month, he didn't even need my medicine anymore. I'm like, good, let's stop your treatment. Awesome. Good. <laughs> but see, that goes back to education yeah, awesome. thing. Yeah. Education. Like, you know, people don't realize some of the effects that these recreational drugs or other things will have on them. So, yeah, education. Absolutely.
education and, and, you know, and I still struggle with figuring out how to get patients to buy in. Like, I'm a little envious of you because you get patients who come in and they want their, they want, they want their erection to work because they want sex. Um, and, you know, if, if I had that kind of motivation with my patients, I feel like we'd see a lot more weight loss. We'd see a lot more, you know, medication compliance, which would ultimately probably end up in less need for medication. You know, diet would improve. I mean, can't tell you the number of times I walk into a patient's room and they say they have a history of diabetes. I ask what their sugar is. They say they don't know, all while, you know, eating, like, a, a, a Big Mac or something. You know, you're just like, yeah, right. they just, you know, it's like, well, when did you last check it? I, I, don't, I don't know, a couple or days ago. And stage renal patient that's there for emergent dialysis with the super gulp size. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're just like, I've gotten that a few times, awesome. too. Awesome, awesome. So, yeah, I'm a little envious that you have the patients who are motivated like that. But I can also tell, like, from your standpoint, you're like, hey, I'm excited about it, too. Because it's the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's not going to work. It's going to help people every day. People that want to be helped. How, so I, I should ask you this earlier. How long have you been open? Like, when did you? We opened February 1st. Okay. All right. So you just started out. Yeah. Awesome. So we're having an open house at the Re-Up Men's Clinic on March 1st. Okay. Um, so Exciting stuff. But, but this isn't new for you because you worked in Denver with Men's no, Health. I'm here. I'm here uh, as the no, no, you're here. I know operational you're here. manager here. Kim's the one running the clinic here. She's the licensed professional in Texas. And I, so is that the question you're no, asking? No, no I, I know you're here, and, and you're, but before you opened your clinic, you were still involved in Men's oh, Health. We opened in April 2018 originally. Okay. As, as, uh, we started out as GM Health and Wellness, Greg Miller, GM Health and Wellness. <laughs> Uh, rented a single room and grew. So okay. okay. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Uh, so, so 2018 is when you got into men's health or kind of more exclusively yeah, in men's 2015 health. 2015 is I switched over from cardiothoracic surgery and doing just this. And then since then, so it's been what, seven years now. Oh, okay. All right. Nice. It's exciting. Yeah. But, but the, but re-up itself. Reup is new. officially February 1st. February 1st. But GM Health and Wellness is April 2018. But yeah. Well, and thank goodness for telemedicine because with COVID, you would have probably. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I'm so thankful I made it through that thing because most people didn't. A lot of people yeah. didn't. Which was, I might not have as many patients as I like every day, but the ones I have are quality and we enjoy our time together. So that's all I can say. That's. To me, that's success. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, and, and hopefully we can continue to get the word out about, you know, identifying things early and getting them to you early so that they can make changes early instead of late. I usually tell people in the ER, I feel like if, if you've gotten to me, by the time you've gotten to me in the ER, uh, it's... Yeah, your foot's got to come it's off, but we can late, do something about it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then they get mad when it's like, I'm not even the one doing the amputation they're like right. oh i have to see another doctor great like yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah that, man that was a good talk there's, there's uh, all kinds of stuff you could talk about yeah i guess you got a great form you reach yeah. a lot of people oh yeah i think so i've gotten good feedback and yeah. i'm excited about what we do and again you know our, kind of our underlying theme is having a healthy perspective on life, whether you're a medical professional or not a medical professional, like we talked about. And I think just listening to your story intertwined into your work, it's, it sounds like your perspective has evolved such that you're like, 
A, I like going to work because it's, it's awesome and I'm seeing a big difference in the way that I'm able to treat my patients and I'm seeing a way to motivate people and, and, and help people. Um, and that's, that's pretty awesome because, you know, we see things in the ER um, every day that may be uncomfortable, but they're not really that big of a deal. And some people act like it's the end of the world. And so we want to kind of try to bring a renewed perspective to things. Um, hence the, but did you die, uh, name of the podcast. So. Um, that's my story. Craig told me that first time I ever told him was the first time I met him. So you got shot. But did you die? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously not, dumbass. I'm right in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember that. He's been saying that since I've known him. Yeah. So, but thank you for coming out. We really do appreciate, appreciate your, you having me. Your, your, your story uh, and, and re-up and what they can do and what they can offer. Uh, you mentioned the website. You want to give the web, website one more plug? Reupmensclinic.com. It's all one word, reupmensclinic.com. Awesome. Reupmensclinic.com. So if y'all want to check it out, um, men and women. Men um, and women, absolutely. Yeah. It's a men's clinic, but we treat men's partners, whoever they are. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, but thanks again for, for being here. Uh, guys, any last questions? Super informative. I'm so yes. impressed. You're so smart. I'm not smart. Yeah. Here, I got one of these catalogs so yeah. you guys can and, understand and, and some more the, about peptides. Yeah, but by the way, oh, wait. And, his, and his tats yeah. are pretty badass. So yeah, those are. Just, I wish yeah. I could see them. They're pretty yeah. <laughs> what are my tats? Yeah, your tats are badass, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I got a lot. <laughs> yes, cool. you do. I remember uh, people being intimidated. intimidated by you, and then, of course, because you and I hung out together, it was like, Guilty by yeah, yeah, like yeah, those guys—they're like gonna kill you. If you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did have some. We, like I said, we kind of controlled the hospital for a while. Yeah, it was—it uh, was a different environment, definitely. It was fun. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. I Thank appreciate you. it. Y'all, y'all got anything else? Time coming out here. Yeah, I appreciate it, Craig. No, man. I wish you Andy. the best. No, nope, Thank you. No. Thank you guys too. You back up. Well, we look forward to talking to all of y'all again soon. All right, check y'all later. Thanks. Out. Bye. Our hope with this podcast, But Did You Die?, is to provide education and entertainment by bringing you insights into our experiences to help you better understand critical aspects of medicine. We hope that our stories provide you an insight into both the technical and human side of medicine. Our ultimate goal is to help you develop the technical, mental, and emotional tools to handle emergent events. If you are interested in learning more about the training and consulting services offered by Ops Medical Group and how our leadership and teamwork platforms can be of service to your hospital, medic teams, or business, you can contact us through our website, opsmedicalgroup.com, which is O-P-S-M-E-D-G-R-P.com, and please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Lastly, Although we are medical professionals, we are not your personal medical professional. This podcast is in in no way to serve as diagnostic information or advice, nor is it to replace any personal medical care that you may need. If you are worried that you may need medical care, please see your private physician or closest emergency department. If you think that you need emergent care, please dial 911.